KM, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you, mate. Appreciate uh, appreciate being here. Nah, so, it's, uh, it's, a, it's absolutely my honour. We, we caught up, I don't know, was it two, three, four weeks ago, a little while ago, and you walked me through your story and, and journey, and it's um pretty fascinating. So I'm keen to share it with the listeners, mate. So thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I've seen uh, some of the guests you've had on before, and um, I hope uh, I hope people listening are like, oh, it's probably worth not worth listening to this one, you know, compared to the other guests. So <laughs> hopefully you get a few listeners anyway. Not at all, man. I wouldn't invite you on if it wasn't worth listening to. So uh, I'm sure they'll be raring to, to hear your story. Um, so I guess, yeah, tell us a little bit about your journey and where you've come from and, and, and how you've started to sort of build the portfolio and, and your sort of philosophy around building a portfolio and where that all originated from. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's a long story, so I won't say the whole part, but I mean, from from when I was young, I guess I was, I don't know, I, I was always into finance or making money or business. And I didn't, you know, and I'm talking when I was young, I'm talking like when I was four or five years old, like I was really young, but I didn't obviously understand the concepts, um, but I just had an interest, like when everyone else was doing uh, something else, I was trying to sell my toys on the street to random people to make some money and and not to use that money for anything. I literally just, you know, was saving it and didn't know why. But I had kind of like this liking for it. Um, and then, you know, through school, you know, all my mates were doing, you know, subjects like sciences and whatnot. And I was just doing business and economics and, and just learning about that. And it was just very interesting to me. And then finished school and didn't know what I really wanted to do. I knew I wanted to get into some sort of business um, and wanted to work in business. And then my uh, one, my best mate, he applied to study optometry um, in Melbourne or in Geelong. And I was like, oh yeah, sounds fun. So <laughs> I applied with him and um, we got accepted. So I moved to Geelong to study optometry, uh, which I had no interest in at all and disliked the degree the entire time I was studying it. Um, but my idea behind that was we would finish the degree. It's a five-year degree, but we would finish it in three and a half years without taking a holiday or taking a break at the end of the year and um, doing an extra semester. And, you know, optometrists get paid pretty well, or they did back then. I don't know about now. Um, but for, you know, I'll, I'll graduate uni, make some money. And I, my thought process was you don't need, uh, you don't need a business degree to get into business, but usually you need money. Um, so I'll go make some money and then I'll transition out and do some sort of business. When I was at uni, I was like studying. Um, so I was studying and then I was also working three jobs and I ran a perfume and makeup business online. Um, I used to sell perfume to my lecturers and, and in the exams, I'd finish early and try and sell perfume <laughs> or makeup to the people marking us and whatnot. And I was just making this money. I didn't know why, but I just, you know, it's what I like doing. Um, I had no interest in the optometry world and eyes and science and whatnot. Um, then I read a book. I think my dad, he had received a book from some seminar or something he went to and he sent it to me. And it was called My Four-Year-Old, The Property Investor. Um, I wish I knew the name of the person who wrote it, but um, you can look it up if anyone's interested. And yeah. I think I've seen it. I can't. Was it the? It's not like the surfer dude. Now there's another. I know there's a guy that's like. Nah, this it's not book. the surfer guy. It's, 
I'm trying to look at my bookshelf. I can't see that far. Too far I think away. I've read it. I've definitely like downloaded it, but I don't know if I've read it. But yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, I didn't know who it was written by. And my dad sent it to me and I was in Geelong and I had nothing to do. So I thought, yeah, I'll read it. And the book was written. The idea behind the book was that the author's four-year-old son would be able to read the book and become a property investor. And I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. Like, <laughs> why isn't everyone investing in property and like doing all this stuff? Um, and I was at the time, I was like 18 or 19, like I was pretty young. And, um, and it just changed my way of thinking completely. And from then on, I kept reading all these other books about property investing and wealth creation and whatnot. And then as soon as I graduated, I went and got a loan and bought my first property. I was 20 when I bought the first one. And um, yeah, that's how it started. And then it's just snowboarded into, it eventually became my career and, you know, continued buying property for myself and other people and friends and family. And, um, and yeah, it was a big snowball effect. I guess the other part to your question about my philosophy, well, at the start, there wasn't a philosophy. It was just to buy something, you know? And, um, but I think now it's that philosophy part of your question is really I don't think I have a set I know some people are like they have real set philosophies like you, you have to buy high cash flow properties or it has to be you know high capital growth blue chip you know suburbs whatever or negative gearing all the way I, I don't think I have a set one size fits all approach I think my philosophy is actually it's horses for courses um, I think my philosophy is really your your situation is going to be different to every single person out there. And based off that, we will build a portfolio that works for you. You know, because one person on a income of $60,000 has a different strategy completely to, you know, a dual income, both doctors or something on, you know, 700 grand a year. Like it's, you're not going to put the same strategy in place. So I think that's actually my philosophy. And I think people's strategies will be ever changing. I know my strategy is, change from day one and to what it is now and it'll probably change again um but as long as you have your end goal already and you know where you're getting to it doesn't really matter how you get there it's just ever changing with life and circumstances i don't know if i've answered your question i just started talking no you made it and it's it's really good that's why i kind of like to tie people's backstory into that philosophy piece because you can really sort of see people's journey and sort of where they've come and i think the, the big thing with you is obviously that's the career change like you you, you studied really hard. You wanted to become an optometrist. Well, you didn't want to, but like you studied to become, and then, yeah. you know, you put the hard yards in, but you always had that passion for business and economics and everything else behind the scene. And I think that really, like, I love that. And um, that's like, that's my philosophy is like, everyone is different. Everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own goals, their risk profile. And you know what? Those things change as life goes on as well. Like, when I had my daughter, my whole plan completely changed because you want different things out of life. And that's okay. As long as you're on a, the similar or same trajectory, but you just maneuver into a place or, or an area that you're happier with, then um, you just reassess as you go along. And I think you, you've nailed that. And I think your your backstory demonstrates that is, you know, you, you, you went hard at everything you did, but <laughs> along the journey, you realized what you actually wanted out of a career wanted out of life and you know where your passion really was and so you changed and 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 manipulated that that journey for what you wanted um which is awesome but if yeah. you did have the chance to go back to 
young KM reading the, his first property book or even sort of before then, but when you first started, I guess, um, what would you go back and, and tell yourself if you could? Um, or in general regarding property portfolios? Um, oh, a bit of both. If, if, if you've got one for both, that'd be great. Yeah. But yeah, potentially sort of regarding property, but yeah, if, if there's yeah. some young life I mean, advice you could give as well, 100%. I mean, I, I guess it wasn't that long ago. So um, I like, you know, a lot of people, I think a lot of people's answers to this question is like, oh, I'll start earlier. I don't think I could have started really much that much earlier. Um, regarding the property portfolio, what I would probably tell myself is just, you know, it probably ties in with the other side to it and just in general is not to be scared. Um, don't be fearful of jumping into something that interests you and just, you know, because I mean, not that I was scared and I kind of jumped in straight away anyway, and that's kind of the guy I am. Um, but I do remember when the contract came and, you know, the loan docs came and it was very scary, especially the first one. You're thinking, oh man, uh, everything I read in these books, I hope is true because <laughs> I, I'm just signing my life away to this bank, right? And and um, I, I think I would tell myself regarding building the portfolio is, yeah, just not to be worried um, as long as you stick to the fundamentals of, you know, the basic principles of, you know, real estate that you've taught yourself, you'll be okay. Um, and, you know, you'll keep, you'll, you'll get to where you need to get to. Um, and not to rush the process, don't try and shortcut um, the process either and just really let the properties do what they need to do, do the research properly, do the education properly, you know, get the right team around you. If you don't know how to do something, don't try and do it yourself. Actually, that's a good one because when I first bought it, I managed it myself <laughs> and never again will I do that, right? <laughs> and the property managers are, are my favorite people in the world now. Um, so that's probably what I would tell myself if I was studying again regarding building the portfolio. And, and I think in general, wow. you know, since I, when I graduated, I sold the perfume makeup business. And then I was working full-time as an optom. And also I had started a restaurant. Um, and then sold the restaurant, moved into a sales position in optical, then, you know, quit that. I've been ended up doing what I do now. Um, and I think all throughout that time, I was always just trying to be, do what would make me happy. And I would, maybe I would, it's not changing what I've, what I've, cause I've already done that, but I would probably be reinforcing that idea of, yeah, don't be scared. You're young. You know, if you're going to make mistakes, this is the time to make mistakes um, because we're going to make mistakes anyway, but you only learn when you, when you fail, you don't learn really when you succeed. Um, yeah. So that's probably, yeah, that would be my answer, I guess. Nice. I love it. And I think you're spot on. Like there's definitely an element of learning from other people's mistakes. And if you can learn to avoid a big mistake from someone else, I think that's great, but you definitely do need to make some mistakes on your journey to understand how hard they can be, um, how hard they can be to go through and then how to try and avoid other mistakes on that journey. So um, that's awesome, mate. And look, I, I always hear people sort of talking about like, I would never be a property manager. I'd never manage my property again. Like I was a property manager in the past. And I completely understand, like it would be so difficult and I don't know, but how did, how did you do it? Like, how did you, how did you like advertise for tenants and stuff? Did you just do like use realestate.com? Yeah. Well, the, the complicated part about it as well was the property was in Geelong and I had moved back to Sydney. So it wasn't like the property was up the road or anything. Um, so yeah, advertising was just, um, yeah, just real estate. Oh, actually, 
there was a website called, this was a bit of a few years ago, so I'm trying to remember. I think it was called flatmates.com or something. I can't remember. And I think it was cheaper than using real estate. So I, I threw it on there and we got, we got um, someone that wanted to come in and, you know, they were tenants and um, just problems, problems after problems after problems, mate. And, you know, obviously we didn't do a background check. Obviously we didn't check their, you know, their income levels or anything. And all of this to save what, you know, 30 bucks a week, 20 bucks a week, whatever it is. And the phone calls I would get in the middle of the night and, um, it just, it's just crazy stuff. And then eventually, oh, I don't know if I'm going too far with this story, but eventually we got a phone call from like neighbors and something that the tenant was kind of, uh, our tenant was kind of being a bit creepy. Um, we had to call the police, get the police involved. We found out that they had a pretty bad criminal record. Ended up going down to Geelong to clear out his stuff after we got rid of him and found like, you know, weapons and stuff so <laughs> i was trying to pick my words so no one gets in trouble here um and so yeah i was like oh what a mistake that was so never again i've been ever since we got a property manager we've had one on there all our, all the properties we own and oh so much simpler and they deal with all this stuff and they make sure that you don't get these types of tenants in place so that's definitely wow. one of the biggest mistakes it definitely cost a lot more than i would have paid in management fees <laughs> that That's is absolutely crazy and it's probably one of those like horror stories you'd hear like I um if you had like a really good tenant who you knew and like was consistent and like had a good job and always paid and like no issue I understand potentially self-managing but yeah if you're like if you're just like advertising and getting people to come through and then doing it that way like I can just imagine a horror story like we've we run an Airbnb or we have run an Airbnb in the past for quite a while and yeah, you get some some characters inquiring and yeah, you do get those texts in the middle of the night of the internet's just gone out or like yeah. the toilet's just stopped working or something and it's just, it is full on. So yeah, I, I can feel a little bit of your pain, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big and, story. And even besides the money, I think it's just the time, like the time, I mean, you know, coming from a buyer's agent's perspective, you know, like the amount of time we save other people, it's the same thing, property managers saving your time you don't want those phone calls after out. You don't want those phone calls at all. <laughs> you just don't want to deal with that stuff. Let someone else sort it out. And and for the fee they charge, it's honestly nothing. You know, they, they should be getting paid more <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a that's a mistake I, I wouldn't make again. Yeah, nice. Um I, I like it. So tell me about the the journey into becoming a buyer's agent mate because i mean obviously you've had that whole background you've had the whole business and economics background when you were younger and now you're like you 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 sold the business as you stepped out what what got you into property what motivated you to start becoming a buyer's agent and sourcing yeah property? was it were you always sort of that like that scroller to 2am on realestate.com just going through everything instead of instead of instagram like how did how did that journey and transition look like yeah pretty much uh, <laughs> I mean, I I actually didn't know what a buyer's agent was, and I didn't know this career existed. Um, and I was, but I was really so. I bought the first one in Geelong, and you know there was a little bit of you know education and research behind that decision, um, and it, and it fell into place with the strategy. And actually, it's one of the best deals I've had, um, you know. And so that worked well. But after I purchased it, I kept I was still researching. And I was still searching stuff and I was still looking around and I didn't really know why I was looking around. I was just, you know, interested. 
Um, and I thought, you know, a few months later, I'll get over it. And then I didn't. And then I kind of questioned myself and thought, well, my next one, where do I buy? So I didn't really know the answer. And I thought, well, how, do, how does everyone else kind of figure it out? How do people figure out where they buy their next property? And that's when I continued to do more research and more education and, you know, podcasts and books and whatnot. And everyone kept talking about data, data, data. I was like, what does that, what does that even mean? Like, what is data? You know, what is data? And I started building my own data sets on free information that I could find on the internet. And then I would just like, I would find random data on, you know, a random suburb in Sydney one day and I'll add it to my Excel sheet. And then, you know, I'll be scrolling through some articles or something and I find some more data and I add it to the spreadsheet. And then eventually I just kept adding all this data and I built this really big spreadsheet with a lot of information on a lot of suburbs around the country. And then I kept adding this and literally, like you said, till 2 a.m., you know, I'm definitely a night owl. I don't, my brain doesn't really work in the morning. Um, but after five o'clock, it starts working. So I was working till, you know, early hours in the morning and just building these spreadsheets for fun. Like there was no goal. I wasn't buying my own, another property. Like I was just building them because I was interested. And eventually I found, you know, more data and, you know, paid data and, you know, a different level of information that I was to what I had before. And I was, you know, building my own sets. And then I was using these data sets to kind of track properties. And like, I was like, and no one really cared. None of my friends wanted to look at Excel. Like no one cared about it, except for one of my mates who um, was an accountant. So he liked Excel sheets and we used to hang out once a week. And I said, hey, check out my check out my spreadsheet. It's pretty cool though. And, um, and before that point, he I had helped a few of my mates buy some properties using my data and whatnot. They were like, oh, you kind of into it. Give us a hand, help us out. And everyone's done well. And I'd show my mate this spreadsheet. He goes, you know, you can get paid to do this. I was like, what do you mean I get paid to this? He's going to pay me to you know, buy property for him. He goes, no, there's something for buyer's agency. And I looked it up and I found out what it was. I actually already had my real estate license. Um, so when I was just teaching myself and educating myself, I was like, well, I want to know what the real estate agents know. So I did the entire degree. I did the entire license to become a real estate agent, um, not just a certificate, the full license. So that, I did two years of education, you know, online to uh, tape and stuff for my own knowledge. Like I just wanted to know what they knew. Um, so I found out about this buyer's agent thing and I was like, well, I already have the license. I can literally start tomorrow. So I did, I quit my job and, <laughs> and I, um, I started first brick and actually today is actually funny that we're having this conversation today is actually first brick's birthday. Um, so we started in 29, the business started in 2019 today. Uh, so that's what four three years ago um and yeah and that's just how it kind of came to be and like i never looked back and so i didn't know about it my mate told me about it i already had the license because i told myself i had the data because i was interested and then i was like this is what i want to do i quit my parents are a bit upset uh, <laughs> but you know it, it it was what i had to do um and since then you know we've purchased a lot of property for people and everyone's we've had it we've had a we've had a 100 success ratio um everyone's made money and better than the better than the market averages by 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 quite a bit as well i think we're on over over 150 property purchases now so um on a one-man thing so not bad <laughs> so that's, that's kind awesome of the story. Mate. 
Happy happy yeah. birthday. That's um uh, thanks, man. <laughs> that's so crazy. What a what a journey and a and a story has been. And I love that you got your real estate license beforehand because a lot of the guys are like, oh, this is but buyer's agent's career, and now I have to go out and do everything and learn everything, and it takes ages to get in. I love that you had done the research and done the degree beforehand or done the time and tape, and you'd be like, Yep, I'm stepping out. That's um yeah. and it's also pretty like ballsy move just to be like yeah i'm quitting my job and 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 going out full time like how how is that because i know for me when i stepped out i was like a transitional thing like i was doing something on the side when i had my main job and then the side thing was enough to like keep me going and so like i quit the main job and then they keep growing the side thing and then the side thing turns into five side things and then one side thing does really well <laughs> yeah that and grow that like it was it was pretty crazy but to just go like cold turkey switch is is awesome yeah i guess i i always knew firstly like i'm still registered as an optometrist um it's you know if i ever need to do like a casual like there's always casual gigs like optometrists get sick so they need to find a, 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 they call them locums or casuals and it pays well. So I knew at the time, like if, if I needed money, I would uh, just, you know, go locum a couple of days and I'll be right for two weeks, uh, whatever it is, like it pays well. So uh, that's kind of how it was. And, and then, you know, it was obviously, like you said, odd jobs and like side stuff and, you know, I did a bit of sales work as well um, for optical companies on the side until, because, you know, we didn't really get a paying customer for probably a year or something. So, um, but it was just, it was just my, my mindset was if I have to go work at Coles, I'll go work at Coles until I can figure it out because this is what I wanted to do. This is what I wanted to build. It was sort of like, it was just like that moment where I've always been interested in business. I've always wanted to, and I've, you know, clearly I've had a few businesses before. I've always wanted to run a business. And then I've clearly got this passion for property. And then someone told me you can do both. Like you can, you can merge the two passions. It had to be this. And at the time someone had introduced me to Gary V. And so maybe he pushed me a bit as well because I was like consuming all his content like <laughs> religiously. And, um, and you know, Gary V is very much about, you know, follow your passion. If, if you're not doing what you don't like, if you don't, if you're not doing what you like, stop doing it. So I was like, all right, I'll stop doing it. Um, but it was definitely, I think, I think it was just the more so I knew whenever I needed money, I just go do some casual, casual jobs as an optometrist and um, yeah, get through for a little bit. Nice. Going like that. I love it. It's good to always have that sort of back, back line just to, in case, worst case scenario. And yeah, if you're more than willing to stack some shelves at Coles, you can almost get through anything and focus on it during the day. Yeah. Um, mate, there's there's so many of them out there and everyone's got their favorite one. But if you had one sort of favorite property, one liner, what would it be? Um, yeah, I saw the question beforehand. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> You're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of one liners. I think I guess it's probably not my I wouldn't say it's my favorite one liner, but I say maybe this is a very relevant one liner to where we are today. It would be don't listen to the noise. Um, probably that I think right now I mean we've had so many phone calls from potential clients or existing clients or you know people who we've worked with in the past who are calling and saying oh my god the market's crashing Um, and what do we do and the world's on fire and (laughs) I think my my 
what I would say is, yeah, don't listen to the noise. Don't listen to your buddy at the barbecue on the weekend who's telling you, you know, X and Y. And, and I think don't listen to the noise regardless of what the noise is. Wherever the market's crashing or wherever the market is booming, don't listen to the noise. Stick to your course um, and stick to what you, you know, or build yourself a team that knows what they're talking about. And we, we just, on, on our podcast the other day, we just did an episode about the current state of the market and people think it's crashing and whatnot. And I, I was telling a story about uh, last week, we put an offer on a property in Adelaide. Uh, there were 35 other offers on it and we got absolutely smashed. Uh, so, you know, that market's not crashing. And I think when COVID started, I remember Matt Common, CEO of CBA, came out and said the market was going to crash and we did an episode. I kind of called him an idiot. Uh, <laughs> he's obviously not an idiot being the CEO of CBA, but my point was he's wrong and he obviously was wrong. And I think it's just not listening to the noise. And yeah, build build a team around you, buyer's agent, accountant, mortgage broker, financial planner, whoever it is, solicitors that understand the game, who've done it before. Um, and they will they will lead you through it because at the end of the day, real estate is not a you know 30 day game. It's not a two year, you know, in and out. We're buying it for 20, 30 years plus. So when you're looking with that kind of foresight, whatever's happening now doesn't really matter too much. Yeah, it's such a good one and, and so important for where we are today. Um, and I think one thing to remember, and I just it, this this lesson starts to just compound more and more and more as I go along my journey is everyone has an agenda. There's certain people that will write certain news articles because they have an agenda around that and, and vice versa, like even the good and the bad. So take both with a bit of a, a grain of salt and no matter how important or how much they own or what status they are, or if they're a CEO of CBA, like one thing I heard today, which was quite funny, was like everyone puts their pants on the same way in the morning. Like everyone is this, like, we're all human beings. We're all, we all do the same thing. Doesn't matter where we are or how wealthy we are or where we're at. Like no one really, really knows where the market's going to go. And just take your own information, take your own concepts, take your own data and analyze that and have your own sort of foresight into it. Um, you know, there's so many professionals out there that can tell you anything at any point in time um, and just have to, you know, I think it's still good to listen to people who you know and trust and you, and you rely on, but even with that, just take it as a grain of salt. And as you said, yeah. surround yourself with other people who have their own um, opinions and, and biases around it and, and listen to everyone individually don't take every, just one person as a this person knows the holy grail listen to everyone yeah. and, and see where their ideas and opinions are yeah for sure I, I think just with that with knowing the context of that person's opinion is always very important um, and what I mean is you know an accountant for example is a tax specialist that's their job so they might be or for negative gearing because they know from their perspective, it helps you from a tax depreciation perspective. Whereas a mortgage broker might have a different opinion on the same topic because of, you know, their expertise is, you know, you know, loans and financing and how to get the next loan. So not saying one person is wrong or the other, but you're right, you know, take everyone's opinion, but know where they know where that advice is coming from, have the context and then use data and information to to form an educated uh, opinion 
um, rather than just listening to what the media tells you to believe. Yeah, yeah, you know it, mate. Great, great, great one-liner. Um, well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, be keen to get, I say this to every guest, like, there's like a, like a set of questions that I go through, but I'm going to come up with like a new set of questions and get everyone back on again. So um, when that happens, I'll, I'll hit you up and it'll be great to have a chat again. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate being on here. Uh, it's an honor uh, to be one of your guests. And um, looking forward to the next one. And uh, we'll see you on, on our podcast as well soon.